0: i want to speak tonight about uh, transformation of the mind this is one of those important topics that we don't want to lose sight of as we uh continue our christian walk from day to day it's an absolutely foundational teaching that uh it's easy to forget i I want to be reminded as well and uh so let's take a look at this tonight uh first of all uh, I, i like to mention the scripture in proverbs Chapter 23, verse 7, which tells us, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. As a man thinks within himself, so he is. From the King James Version, For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. As he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Did you realize our behavior comes from our thoughts? First we think, then we act. Uh, Whatever we see outward in people's lives, there was first an inward thought that created that. Have you considered that? Uh, The thought life uh, is immensely uh, important. Um, Did you know no one is ever outwardly a success until he is inwardly a success? Have you realized that? Did you also know that 80% of all turmoil that people experience is inward? How about that? Very little is really outward uh, circumstances pressing against us. Rather, it's our inward reactions that cause the turmoil and are usually usually far greater than the circumstances pressing against us that's an amazing thought so our thought life is extremely important what we have inside of us internally Um, in um, third john chapter one verse two the apostle john says beloved i pray in all respects that you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers Um, Our outward prosperity is in life is directly related to our inward soul and how it thinks. It's not just finances we're talking here, a prosperity is a total well-being in life. Finances is just one small aspect of that actually. And here the soul here is a hinge. The soul, the inward mind is a hinge. Not the rational mind, but the inward mind we have that makes decisions. Involving our desires, our soulical intentions, our emotions, our feelings, our memories, our our willpower, all that, all those areas make up what's called our soul realm. And as that prospers in the word of God, our lives will prosper. As it doesn't, we won't. It's like a hinge that swings back and forth. If we yield to the things of the Lord, our soul brings prosperity to all of us in our every aspect of our bodies, our minds. But if we yield to the things of the world and the worries and the turmoils of life, we see uh, not that prosperity of God. Uh, And so the important key here is that inward thoughts rule. Uh, Did you realize our souls are constantly dwelling, the mind of our soul is constantly dwelling on something. We're constantly meditating. We're constantly talking to ourselves. Don't tell me you're not. If, you, if you're not talking to yourself, you don't have a brainwave. We are constantly talking to ourselves, which means biblically we're constantly meditating. Uh, in the book of Joshua, uh, the Lord tells Joshua here in chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which they swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law of Moses, which my servant commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left, uh, so that you may have success in whatever you do. Here's the key here in verse eight. This book of the law, which means the word of God, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. How about that? You shall meditate on it day and night. That means you're talking to yourself. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. So much there to be said. We could camp out here for an hour, but we're not. Um, Meditating on God's Word, talking to ourselves, talking the Word back to us is what the key here is all about. If we do that and we're careful to do that, make it a point. Make it an effort. Uh, our way will be made prosperous. And again, that's more than dollars and cents. That has to do with uh, uh, our entire life uh, in our interaction with others, our well-being, how we relate to our, our children, our spouses, etc. will prosper, will have success. So, you know, as we think, we speak. But as we think on the Word of God, so we speak the Word of God. People are not going to speak the Word of God off, out of their lips unless they're first dwelling on it, talking to themselves inside. So for our way to be successful in God's eye is to meditate and dwell on the Word of God by talking to ourselves, speaking it to ourselves. Uh, that's why I know a lot of folks, when they read the Word of God, they mutter it. They, they speak it out because they want all their senses involved in the experience in the Word. Um, so... And you have to understand, biblical meditation is not Eastern meditation. Usually when you hear the word meditation, we merely think of the East. And uh, we don't have to make our minds a blank or chant in Eastern meditations. But instead, we have a very active mind, not a blank mind, and a very active mind with the Word of God. That is a biblical meditation. So um, we're going med- to meditate on something. Again, if you have a brainwave, you're going to talk to yourself about something. You're going to either talk about the world age you live in to yourself, which talks about its worries, its negative circumstances, its fears, or you're going to think about the things of God and the promises in his word. Sad to say, too many people meditate on fear, meditate on what could happen in the negative. Never meditate on what could happen in the positive. Isn't that amazing? That's very, very common. So we're either going to meditate on the circumstances and problems or the solution which is found in God's Word. So it's a very important key here. We either are problem-oriented or solution-oriented. That's how we tick on inside of us. So what really matters here, what will we be meditating on and talking to ourselves about? So in a brief summary of this here, um, our inward thoughts, our inward meditations, we want to make them the Word of God. Why is this so important? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight here. In Romans chapter 12, very important scripture here from the Apostle Paul in verses 1 and 2. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Then he says something else in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, there's a wrong teaching out there that God has three wills, good, acceptable, and perfect. He has one will. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. That's very important. But anyway, let's look at this out of the Amplified Bible. Ought to be a law. Everyone ought to own Amplified Bible, okay? Let's look at this out of the Amplified. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you... In view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all the members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and attitudes, and new, new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Ought to own an Amplified Bible. Man, oh man, that says so much there. Be transformed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind. As long as you are physically in this body, that is a pursuit of us, that we'd be going under a mind transformation. As long, you can't grow old enough for it, and it starts when you're very young. And is my mind then gonna be conformed to this world age that I live in, or is it gonna be transformed by the, by the age that I've been brought into, the age of eternity? Uh, It's a goal, as long as we dwell in our bodies, two areas here, number one, that we live holy, number two, that we're not conformed to this world age. Uh, Living holy means uh, to God, very often what we do with our bodies. If you look in the Old Testament regarding worship, a lot of it has to do with what did they do with their bodies? They stand to worship, they kneel to worship, they sing loudly, they prostrate on the floor to worship. Notice their body is involved. And us standing there like a statue worshiping. Their whole being is fervently involved in a worship to the Lord, giving the Lord his worth. Uh, So biblically, worship is how we, um, uh, or what we do, I should say, with our bodies in our lives. And second here, that we're not conformed to this world age, but transformed by a renewing of the mind. So this renewal of the mind is is a constant, ongoing process, just like uh, the meditations that we have every day, how we talk to ourselves every day, isn't that an ongoing process from day to day? We, because you can talk to yourself when you're sleeping, right? That's called the dream world. You even talk to yourself when you're sleeping. I had some odd ones last night. Uh, so anyway, um, so the, like the meditations we have, the daily meditations of our mind, just sitting here under the word of God tonight, you're going under a mind renewal process. Not a lot of people said, I think I want to go to church tonight and have a mind renewal process. Sounds cultish, but no, really, that's what you're doing. Just by coming and sitting under the word being spoken to you, you're in a mind renewal experience. Uh, That's why it's so important to be with the brethren in church. I I realize this past year has been a challenge because of the COVID issues, but the normal life we have, we want to be amongst the brethren in fellowship and with one another. Uh, It's extremely important. It's it's, it's a mind renewal process. So you just do it. Because you have so many people, I don't feel like going to church. You go anyway. It's a mind renewal process. I'm not trying to get to your heads. Holy Spirit is trying to get from my heart to your hearts. If I try to go from my head to your heads, I have failed. But if Holy Spirit makes the connection from my heart to your hearts, that's something you take with you that your mind doesn't need to comprehend. Something's going on on the inside of you, a transformation. Yeah, I heard a story one time of um, this lady, she was going to church, and um, she's going past her son's room, and she looked, and he's not even ready for church. So she said, aren't you getting ready for church? No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to church. Well, why not? I don't want to go. Give me a good reason why not. So he snaps back, I'll give you three good reasons. Nobody there is friendly, and it's boring, and they're all a bunch of hypocrites. She says, let me tell you something. I'm going to give you three good reasons why you should go to church. Number one, you need it. And number two, it would please the Lord. And number three, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> just want to see if you're paying attention. Okay. If they just woke up, tell them the story. When you go home. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you have to think about that one for a while. Nobody's friendly. Everything's boring. Uh, Things we need to take notice of here in Romans chapter 12. First, we see in Romans 12 in reference to our bodies, that's number one, that we keep our bodies free from the sin of this world age that we live in. This is amazing. Paul is saying this in the midst of the Roman Empire. This is an age that is sexually uh, uh, bizarre. They are uh, drunkenness, rivalries. I mean, even America has not rivaled yet the Roman Empire. I mean, these people are crazy. Uh, They're just, they live a life of total debauchery. And in the middle of the Roman Empire, he's saying, uh, keep your bodies free from the sin of this world age. Uh, In 1 John chapter two, verse 15, uh, John tells us, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. It's of course, they're talking about the age we live in. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow, for all that is in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the bo- boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Wow. And the world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God abides forever. Looking at the Amplified Bible in just verse 16, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the fr- flesh craving of uh, sensual gratification and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own uh, resources or in the stability of world earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but come from the world itself. And you know, we live in a world where uh, we have a sex-crazed society, we have a society where money, they believe, solves all your problems, that's what you need in life, you just need more of it. Uh, those of you who are not old enough to remember, there was a billionaire once named John Paul Getty, and he was one of the first real billionaires, and a reporter had asked him uh, sarcastically, so, Mr. Getty, how much more money do you need? And his response was, just a little bit more. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the world's answer to life. I just need a little bit more. Uh, and of course, pride of life, we're God. I don't need Jesus, I'm my own God. Uh, and of course, uh, this is telling us here, this cannot please the Father. So the first thing here we have here was uh, we, our bodies are to be kept from sin in this world age. Second here is we need to take notice of what's said in Romans, the transforming of the mind, which is really the essence of what I want to bring forth tonight, the transforming of the mind. Uh, transform, transform a definition, at least a couple of them from Webster, is to change the form of. to change the form of, uh, to change the condition or nature of, to change the personality of, okay? Change the form of, the condition of, the personality of. Transformation just simply denotes the process of being transformed. Um, As a believer, let's say you're a real good parent, and you want your child to learn piano. So you buy a piano, and... um, you don't know how to play piano. So you look at your kid, he's sitting there at the piano, bang, 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 and you go, okay, let's get a piano teacher. So you bring the piano teacher in, and the piano teacher starts to teach your child piano. Well, a couple of weeks walk by, maybe three, four weeks go by, and you look at your child practicing, and he's going like this on the piano. You scratch your head, and you go, don't you play piano like this? What's this stuff? Now, just in case there's some smarties out here, I know with Chopin you can cross arms over. I know that. But normally you put it like this. You got a left hand, you got a right hand register. Okay. And you go, you know something? He's not learning right. I got a bad teacher. So you kick the teacher out. You hire another teacher. Are you a good teacher? Oh, I'm very good. Okay, fine. So you bring the good teacher in. And the good teacher, oh no, dear, you take your arms and you go like this and play. Oh, the kid's like, I don't know if I like this. I like that no, no, no you play like this so the kid starts to learn how to play properly and sometimes when the teacher's not looking he'll cross his arms over. no dear your arms go like this play like this but i like this better no you play like this we have to break bad habits don't we now we have to play like this okay silly story i get it but you have to understand a couple things here we're the student that's us and playing the piano is how we conduct our lives And before you got born again, you had a bad teacher. The enemy, the evil one, was your teacher. And he's teaching you life is like this, which is wrong. So you get born again, Holy Spirit kicks him out, and the new teacher comes in, Holy Spirit. And he now starts to correct us of the right way to play, of how we're supposed to be doing things. And he leads us into a transformation of what I used to think like, and now what I have to think like. Our problem is we like this too much. We know this real good. That's why you want to know Christ as your Savior at a young age, so you have less of this in life. So we have to correct this, the mistakes, the old method, the incorrect method. We need a transformed mind. Holy Spirit is leading us to be our teacher in the way things ought to be from God's perspective, from God's Word. We, We see that God's Word is His will and we need to revert back to what his will for our lives is, not what we think it is, not the way we were taught by the wrong teacher. So transformation isn't easy because I like this. This doesn't feel quite right. I know it's right, but I like this. And that is a process we go through. It's a death to life process. It's a self death to self and a rebirth process we go through. So transformation, odd, It isn't synonymous with fixing or healing but rather bringing something new that hasn't been before. Uh, In Matthew's uh, gospel in chapter 9, Jesus gives us the example of uh, pouring uh, new wine into old wineskins. The old wineskins will break. Uh, New wine is for new wineskins. Healing would be to fix the wine, old wineskin. Transformation is a new wineskin. God brings us a whole new one that we didn't have before, that we didn't know what was like. In other words, God uh, doesn't bring forth a repaired me, he brings forth a transformed me. Amen. But that's for you and for me. Your goal is to get a transformed you, not to hold on to the old you, but get a transformed you. There's a lot we can say about that due to time, I can't, but we need to do that because the old you always wants to live, to do anything to change, you must die. I don't want to die, you must die. I, I, I can be a good old me, no, you must die. I don't want to die, it has to die. And something brand new has to come. And to the degree we allow Holy Spirit to do that in us, it's to the degree you see real Christians show up on the scene and God does things with them like changes societies because he found someone who will be transformed and not think in this world age. My physical body may still be here, but there's a new me inside that you can't see, but you can see by my behavior. Something changed. I mean, we, we don't know what's in people's hearts, but we can certainly know by their behavior. And we can only know their believers by the way they behave, not by what they say. Anybody can be a parrot and mimic. Show me your life's changed. Show me somebody new here. Then I've seen a transformed life. Uh, So it's very important for you and for me to notice that. Uh, you know, And first, in in the spirit, and then a lifelong commitment to be transformed with a soulful mindset in the days ahead. So we need to cooperate with new teacher, Holy Spirit. We need, when we come to Christ, we need to question everything that we knew before we found Christ as our Savior and to see if it agrees with God's word in principle. A very wrong question that you hear people say well show me that in the word of god that's a wrong question because a lot that you practice as believers which is good is not found in the word of god in word verse and but it is found in principle rather the correct question is is that opposed to what the word of god teaches because a lot of what we practice we practice in principle and in doctrine not literally line for line word for word We collect scriptures together, that is doctrine, and we live our lives by what we have collected. And we, hopefully, we have good doctrine, not bad doctrine. And that's very important that, in principle, we agree with God's Word. So if I have a mindset or things that I believe in that didn't agree with God's Word, I don't tear that page out of my Bible. I change me inside. I'm wrong, the Word of God is right. Because very often, are the way we were raised in this world, not that we didn't have good parents, but the way they were raised in this world, the way this world has trained us, and you are trained from the day, uh, from the time you get up in the morning to you go to bed at night. This world is trying to train you, they're trying to train you in darkness. And the Holy Spirit has to show us how to walk in the light. And so we have to hold on to only what agrees with God's word in principle. Uh, another way to look at this is that I wear glasses. If you don't wear glasses, I don't see light like you see light. It comes through a lens, a filter first, before it hits my eyes. Um, and therefore, you know, my glasses need to see pretty clearly for the, through the Word of God. But sometimes we need to get our glasses cleaned because apart from the Word of God, uh, we get them dirty. And we have to have the transformation of God's Word come to us and clean our glasses. So we see things the way they're supposed to be seen, not the way I want them to see. My selfish desires want them to be seen in a way that won't agree with God's word. I gotta clean my glasses. So it's uh, the word of God speaks to me unfiltered, but I can see it clearly. When I come to Christ, just like the piano example, I don't know what's normal. God's word has to show me what's normal. My job is just to cooperate as a believer. In fact, if you were an adult at World War II, and nobody here was an adult at World War II, you were the only, you were the last normal people. That means if you weren't, didn't know Christ as your savior, you were still normal, because you had a biblical worldview mindset. Anyone born post-World War II does not have a biblical worldview mindset. We don't know what normal is, and we constantly have to be taught in God's word what normal is, isn't that amazing? If you knew you were in sin in World War II, you knew you were in sin. It was your choice to sin. Today, people go, wow, what am I doing wrong? So we're living outside of marriage. So what? What's the big deal? They don't even realize what, what is wrong. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So the Word of God for us um, needs to be a lens by which we see everything through. Uh, I tell you, what, I didn't bring, I have my, my, I have my scriptures here written down. Do you have your Bibles with you? Let's do a quick exercise. Take your thumb and put it uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts. Some would do Romans, we'll do Acts. Okay, just put your thumb there in the book of Acts. Stick it in there. Then take your index finger and put it right before the book of Revelation. Can you do that? Two fingers. One before the book of Acts, one before the book of Revelation. Okay, you got that? Now hold your Bible up like that. Just, just hold it up. That's right. You got it. Hold your Bible up. You see that little teeny tiny piece in between your two fingers? That explains your entire Bible. That's the only part of your Bible other than the book of John that assumes you're a Christian before you read it. Do you realize that? It's the only other than the book of Revelation as well. It, the only part of your Bible that assumes you're a believer before you read this. And that little tiny piece explains your whole Bible. You have to look at that little tiny piece, that is, look at your entire Bible through New Testament eyes. That's the glasses, the lenses that you see the whole Word, word of God through. It explains everything. If you don't do that, you'll get strange. I don't know about you, but I've known people who live in the book of Ezekiel. You know they're weird, and I know they're weird. I don't live in the book of Ezekiel, I live in that little tiny piece that explains the book of Ezekiel. That explains my entire Bible uh, through that one little lens that I have to see through. That should be the part of your Bible worn out the most, and, and then, which includes the Gospel of John. The other Gospels are trying to convince you who Jesus is. Uh, Matthew is trying to convince the Jew. Mark is trying to convince, uh, convince the Roman. Luke is trying to uh, convince the Greek intellectual mind. Actually, Acts as a continuation of Luke. But... That little tiny piece only assumes you're a believer before you read it. And so that is the lens that I see or should see the Word of God through and what I should see life through. That should be the part in your Bible that's the most worn out. So consider this though, most people though in life see a lens of hurts and wounds, right, from the past. So many of them have hurts and wounds that, from their past, that rule their present and make their future look very dim. We need to be transformed from that. How do you get healed and transformed from the past? A new you is created by the Word of God. Holy Spirit takes those old hurts and wounds and those inner wounds and he transforms us. And because of the bondage that that can cause us due to resentment and judgments that we made in life, right? Who hasn't been through life and hasn't been hurt? Some of the people have been hurt profoundly Uh, And oftentimes these resentments and judgments are made in early childhood. How horrible. Uh, Judgments towards parents because some have abused. Uh, Judgments towards parents for neglect. Judgments towards parents because we didn't get our selfish way and we were upset with them. Whatever, we do make these judgments and inner uh, vows as children that are sinful. We need to be transformed from that because these rule people sometimes their entire lives. I meet people in their 50s still angry at their parents. I'm like, uh, hasn't like a lot of water gone under the bridge? I'm like, really? This is like 30 years ago and you're still upset, really? Yeah, they can't, they're in chains due to unforgiveness. They're in chains. Wow, they need to be transformed. So brokenness here is a very big deal to be broken from our own self-sufficiency so that we can have inner transformation. If we're not broken, there can't be an inner transformation. Uh, You know, a a humble man, a broken man, God can use. A man full of himself, God can't use. Those of you might remember a sermon I did a few weeks back on Moses. That that basically says the whole thing. Uh, So we need to recognize here that our growth as believers is a true process of sanctification and transformation. Sanctification means growing in holiness. A process of uh, sanctification and transformation into the likeness of Christ. In Romans chapter 12 that we just read, it tells us that. We are undergoing a transformation process in the likeness of Christ. As long as we are physically in this body, we're being transformed. Hopefully, when you look at the hurts and wounds of the past and it doesn't bother you anymore, if anything, you feel sorry for those people who hurt you got transformed. When you can look at the wounds of the past and they don't bother you anymore, you've been transformed. When you can have pity on those, as Jesus said, uh, for, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. If you can truly believe that in your heart, you've been transformed. That's a sign that, not healed, transformed. Not the old you fixed, a new you being brought in. I mean, I mean, the healing concept's fine, but actually it's a Transformation. It's a new you Jesus wants to bring, a new you and I. But if I don't give myself to the Word of God, which we're talking about here, if I don't give myself to muttering the Word of God out of my lips, if I don't give myself to staying in that little teeny tiny part of your Bible and making sure those pages get worn out first, I'm not gonna experience transformation. Yes, you can be sitting here, but the Holy Spirit will do just so much in this type of event. Well, how about all those other hours of the week that we live? What are we doing with the presence of the Lord? Amen? What are we doing with, our, with songs of worship coming from our lips when nobody sees us? What are we doing with the Word of God? Are we talking to ourselves about it, transforming ourselves? This is where real life begins. Then God starts to talk to you and you start getting, getting vision for your life. And you start seeing things that God would do in your life and would do through you. And you realize you're not the same person you used to be anymore. Something's happening in you, you're different. You're living like the word of God tells us, you're an alien in this world, a stranger in this world. This is not home. My true citizenship is in heaven. When you really start thinking this way, people think this way? Yeah, they do. You have found transformation. You are becoming a transformed person. When you walk into a room and go, you know, I wonder how many people here don't know Christ is their Savior. You're starting to think transformed instead of, wow, look at all the people. You're not thinking that way anymore. You're thinking of, who needs Christ in this room? Who do I need to pray for? Et cetera, et cetera. You're starting to think transformed. You're not thinking like the old you anymore. God forbid if people looked at us 20 years down the road and say, gee, you haven't changed at all oh, what a failure that is. I've been insulted, but yet isn't that what I just presented them, right? Uh, Very important that uh, our um, transformation depends on us continuing in the Lord's grace. Uh, So here, um, you know, like uh, the mind renewal process, uh, we do have a transformation that is happening without our conscious awareness. As I said before, by just sitting here under the Word of God, you're going through a transformation process. So we need to submit ourselves to God and come under the Word of God as He brings us change. Change is a good thing. And I had said in a, in a couple of sermons I did a little while ago, I don't like change, but I know I need to change. God doesn't change, yet He leads His people into change. And uh, we need to find where do I need to bring change in my life? Uh, you know, it's a good idea at the end of the year, perhaps, uh, December, to take a time to see where do I need to grow next year? And you really need to talk, talk, talk to yourself about that. Have this serious conversation. Have Holy Spirit reveal to you, where do I need to change this upcoming year? Where do I need to die to selfishness? Where do I need to die to my selfish wants? Where do I need to grow in my giving? Where do I need to grow in my service in in the body of Christ? Uh, How will others know I'm a transformed person? And we take that seriously into the new year where we do something about it, where we go into God's Word and make up a purpose that I'm going to be greater this year than what I was the year before hopefully we think like that not a lot of people do i realize it let take marriage for example a lot of people if they're married 20 years they're married 20 individual years and it's like a steady pace but those who are married with the purpose of growing in their marriage they grow from one year to another so their 20 years is they're far greater along they were in the beginning because they did something and purpose something to make their marriage better be married with purpose not just living life one year at a time, where at the end of 20 years, nothing's really changed. That's a sad picture because it didn't have to be that way. You can do something about it starting today, whether it be marriage or your parenting or just your growth in Christ, uh, pursuing transformation, taking it seriously. I want the Lord to bring transformation to my life that I am somebody different, somebody greater than when I first began. Um, so as we submit ourselves to God's word and come under the hearing of God's word, like in opportunities like this, God does bring change in us. And bear in mind, as you sit under the word of God, like in situations like this, the Lord does suddenlies. I mean, he'll move in sudden ways, uh, that will change people's lives. I mean, you may have come to a church service without any individual purpose of something changing, but all of a sudden, God met you in a big way at that church service. That's usually at altars. God meets people in a big way at altars. And uh, all of a sudden, lives get changed. Truly, there have been so many stories of people who have uh, really shook this world for Christ. And it started at little altars and their local church or they left a different person when they walked away. God met them in a big way and did something that they didn't expect. Why? Because they were open to the Lord, open to that process of being transformed. And then who knows what the Lord will do? You just don't know sometimes how lives can be changed. He's always the God of something new, amen? He's always the God of something now. He's always the God of the second chance, right? Nobody, I've blown it, I've had so many chances. You can get more. God's always the God of the second chance. No one's too old. No one's too young. He's truly the God of the second chance. Amen? Amen. So we need to constantly um, put ourselves in this change process. uh, That we're open to seeing transformation. That should always be on our minds. Transform me, Lord. Make something new of me that didn't exist before. That should always be a prayer on our mind somewhere. Uh, because Paul tells us we see in a mirror dimly, right? We don't quite see that clearly, this side of heaven. And when we walk away from the mirror, we forget what we look like. Uh, The word of God is your mirror that you look into. It shows you what you should be looking like. And as you stare into it, you're transformed into that image. And as we go away from it, I think I forgot. I got to go back and look again. That's why we need to be in the word of God I need to be transformed into what it says I am. Um, I had mentioned it once before. There was this uh, great Chinese Bible teacher, Watchman Nee. Anybody ever read any Watchman Nee? Oh, a few people. Okay, I'm not the only one. Watchman Nee, a famous Bible teacher, usually 1920s area. Um, of course, if you read Watchman Nee, you go, what did he just write? He scratch your head. He writes Chinese. Uh, anyway, he wrote this great book uh, from the book of Ephesians. And it's called uh, Changed into His Likeness. And that's transformation. And he wrote this book about how God wants to change us into His likeness. Not my likeness, not the likeness that the world wants me to be in. I mean, the world wants you to look like them, right? It wants you to act like them. It wants you to smell like them. And if you don't, they'll judge you for it. They'll reject you. Who cares? They reject you already. I don't want the Lord to reject me. I don't need a name known among men, I need a name known in heaven, amen? You need a name known when you wake up in the morning, devils go, oh no, he's awake. That's what you need, somebody that terrorizes the dominion of darkness because you walk in the light, a transformed person. So uh, we read here, as we, I want to bring this to a closure here, uh, in the book of uh, Romans, from the Amplified Bible, make a decisive dedication of your bodies. Make a decisive dedication. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to be transformed. If you don't know what it is, now you know what it is. So when we read those just two scriptures there in Romans chapter 12, they say volumes. That's like big stuff. They should have like a subheading, lifelong ambition to be transformed. This is what I am here for, transformation. Why? That I would have fruitfulness. Why do I want to be changed into his likeness? That I would have fruitfulness for the master. As long as you or I are physically in this body, we are to bear fruit for the kingdom. That's why you're still here and you didn't go poof into heaven. You're still here because you need to bear fruit. Other than that, you have no reason to be here. Strong statement. Our true citizenship is in heaven why am i here for my own selfish desires no i am here to bear fruit for the kingdom of god in my generation and you are too how that looks is between you and god because i'm i barely know how it looked for me Uh, you know for everyone it's uniquely different because you're there's a unique you that brings something to the kingdom of god that i can't bring and vice versa but we're here to leave an imprint. My footprint was there. I left my DNA here. I left my imprint for the kingdom of God in my generation. That's fruitfulness. That's why the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. That I left an imprint in how he's put me together on a personal way with my own personal giftings to affect the body of Christ and to affect the world I live in. We should want to be fruitful. Different sermon, but to be fruitful, really fruitful, takes transformation, takes transformation. Let's, let's just stand up. And I want to just wanna lead you into a, a profession of transformation, right after I take a drink. I don't know how this works. Oh, I found out. Just, um, just maybe, maybe just close your eyes. Lift your right hand up to heaven. I just want to lead you into a transformation prayer here, confession. Just repeat after me. I choose tonight to be a transformed believer. I submit myself to Holy Spirit to teach and transform me. Under the hearing of his word, Lord, do a work of grace in me. I choose to renew my mind in your word and so prove to be your disciple. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, thank the Lord. Amen. 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 I hope you got something out of that tonight because... If you didn't know, that's why you're here, man. You're here to get transformed, and you're here to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. I'm excited to see what it would look like coming from you. We're excited. You know, when people become members of our church here, we send them a card, welcome. And, I, and we write in there, we are excited to see about the gifts that Father God has placed in you come to fruition at this church. We're excited to see what gifts God has in you come to fruition. And as you transform, you discover more and more gifts that you maybe didn't even know you had, and how Holy Spirit will use them, not for your sake, but for the sake of everybody else's. Isn't it good to know you are gifted? You are gifted. Just say, I am gifted. Even if you don't see them, I am gifted. And the Lord will develop them and show them to you as you're under the Word of God, as you're being transformed. And and I know that some people here have been serving the Lord for years. Hey, He may bring you in a totally new direction of something different that you never thought might have been possible. It's happened in my life. It could happen in yours. God does suddenly. Amen? Praise the Lord.